On this episode of Recruiting Hell, the people who defend our country have systems to help them grow professionally when they're serving in the military. But many find a cold reception once their time of service draws to a close. This week, in a very special Veterans Day episode, we're joined by Air National Guard recruiter Cameron Macias to discuss what job seekers transitioning from the military to civilian world should do if they don't land that lucrative position with a defense contractor. Don't chase the money when you come out. Like you said, you want to like, it's very easy to find a place that, you know, like, yes, they're going to pay you all this money. But I always, I tell everyone, it's like, really look at the quality of life, man. Like if you're making, this place may pay you $130,000 a year, but if you're working six days a week, 12 hours a day, and you barely ever get to see your family, what's the point of that? There was a major that used to work at one of my high schools in Louisiana, and he was a computer guy when he got out. And he's like, man, Verizon paid me $150,000 a year. I was making more money than I ever thought. He said, but wow. guess what? I was also working more than I had done in 25 years in the Air Force. And so he, so he left. He left Verizon and he, and he started working at a high school as a ROTC instructor there. And he, and I was like, you know, looking back now, like, what's your advice? And he's like, just don't chase the money, dude. Hello, and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Here we are at episode 26, and this show is themed around one of the most important holidays out there, and that's Veterans Day. There are a ton of folks who have served our country and given of themselves, given years of their lives, parts of their bodies in some cases, to protect American life. And on most fronts, that's a pretty darn good thing. I've worked with scores of veterans over the years, and they are some of the most amazing people that I've ever met. And a few of them have even been guests on this show, which I'm very proud to say. Now, as a civilian, I have a very rudimentary understanding of how military work life and life in general functions at best. I've had a few friends explain it to me, but, you know, that's why we bring in experts to this show. So many times, very talented and quality people who have served our country exit the service and just simply don't know what to do with themselves once they leave the structure of the armed forces. It's a massive culture shock for them to not have that regimented structure anymore. And it definitely has a lot of parallels to losing a job when you're a civilian. So while this episode is dedicated to the brave folks who fight for us on all fronts, there's also an aspect of the home front here as well for those of us who have chosen a different path in life. Big shout out goes to our listeners who found us via the U.S. Navy CTR community and first class mess group out there who are tuning in. Glad you folks are here. And today we'll be exploring the exit for military members and the strategies that they and their civilian counterparts can use to better their job hunt in a time of transition, whether it's a discharge from the service or a discharge from your civilian sector job. Before we jump in with our guest, a quick rundown of the things that you need to know to get the most out of this show. Number one, recruiting-hell.com, and it's your gateway to everything about job hunting. And stay tuned at the end of the show to hear about a special project that I had created just for you, the listener. Number two, Patreon partners, as always, thank you so much. It is so incredible to have you helping others and getting amazing benefits and sneak peeks into the show on our Patreon page. If you love the show, 
you can show your support with a few bucks a month to help make it bigger and better at patreon.com slash recruiting hell. Number three, be sure to rate this show and or leave a review. Reviews are so important and they help others find their way to us here at Recruiting Hell and it kickstarts their career search. Links, of course, in the show description for you to check out. And as always, before we start, we highlight the purpose of this show with our affirmation that we're going to make it through this. Repeat after me if you'd like. Number one, I deserve to find a career opportunity that makes the most of who I am with the talents that I was given. Number two, I deserve to know about and be protected from jobs and employers that would take advantage of me. Number three, asking for help in my job hunt is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And my willingness to seek help in my job hunt will ultimately pay off for me. Number four, I have the discipline and the motivation to succeed in this task. I can escape recruiting hell, and I'm welcome at this table to learn new skills to help me win my job hunt. You can and you will escape recruiting hell. Let's meet today's guest. Recruiting into the armed forces, and that's a little bit of the opposite of what this show is about. But when we discussed this topic earlier, it actually translated quite well to what we're doing here for the folks coming out of the service, as well as those who are on the job hunt as civilians. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Cameron Macias, who is a recruiter with the California Air National Guard. Cam specializes in getting folks into careers with the military, giving career advice to those looking to transfer to the civilian sector, and is the host of the Scared Money, Don't Make Money podcast. Cam, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here to not only help our military and former military listeners, and I know by saying that I'm going to anger some Marines with that phrasing, (laughs) but also everybody who is out there on the job hunt here in 2020. Hey, what's up? I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, excellent. Well, we can jump right into it, Cam, because again, it's great to have you here for this this special edition episode. So the first question I have for you is kind of setting the stage. Let's get the 60-second Cam Macias story so folks know where you come from and some of the expertise you bring today. So originally, I'm from the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, California. I was active duty Air Force for 13 years. I just recently crossed over about a year ago to the California Air National Guard been a recruiter for about six years now. As far as what kind of got me into recruiting, it was a brand new program for the Air Force where they were allowing people who were doing really good in the job that they were previously in and said, hey, why don't you take a stab at helping people come into the military and like you said, use your story. Uh, I'm an only child to a single mother. I went to 13 different schools growing up. So talking was a way of life for me, you know, because I had to make friends. And so Realistically, uh, I have done recruiting from, you know, your basic uh, coming in first time, 18 year olds and so forth to all the way to medical recruiting for the military. And I brought those skills to California and that's what I do now. And I am in the process of building my network and building my platform so that when I retire from the Air Force, I will own my own recruiting agency. That's awesome. So again, there's, there's a lot in there, not only a ton of success for you as as a successful serviceman, but also the the building of yourself through you know thirteen different schools. That, like that is a that's a trial <laughs> for a kid, man. Yeah. So like now I'm gonna make it's a new year and I'm gonna make new friends again. Damn. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, the longest I stayed at the longest school I had ever stayed at was two years. <sighs> you know, and I like I went to three different high schools. I went to two different middle schools. I went to a different school for almost every grade of elementary school. 
Yeah. That has to be really hard to, you know, <laughs> put together a group of friends and just throw them away and well, yeah, not I mean, throw yeah. them away, but you know, no, you're, I mean, you're right. Kinda, it, it's, it, it teaches you like it's a sink or swim, you know, it's like you either show up to a school and you don't make any friends. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm going to leave or you get there and you're like, I'm gonna make the best of it. And I'm going to meet who I can. And then if the time comes, the time comes. So the job hunting advice there is, it's great to network like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> Even if you have a yes. short amount of time at something, like a, uh, a, a position that you, is maybe a temporary position, mm-hmm. make the most of it. Network. It. That's, you have to. Good deal. Well, let's get to our, our major topic today. Because yeah. I hate to start with the obvious, but just because, so everybody's on the same page. When people leave the military, what, what does that exit process look like for the average soldier, sailor, or airman? So... Uh, the average person in the military does not serve the 20 years to retire. Right. right. So you're looking at people who are serving at, at, at a most of a minimum four years, depending on some, you know, awkward, not awkward, but um, outlander contracts out there that might be less than four years, but generally four to six years is kind of the minimum for most people. As far as separating, it really falls very much on the member. You know, um, I actually deal with an extreme amount of members who are crossing over from active duty who are coming to the Air National Guard because we are, for the most part, a part-time force. So these people are making that transition in. So I have a lot of firsthand knowledge of, hey, like, what are you doing to make sure you're transitioning well? And so, and every service is different too. So what does that service offer you? So I will tell you that the Air Force has a great system set up right now called SkillBridge, where six months out from leaving the military, you can say, hey, I want to go work at this place as an intern. And the Air Force will pay you for that entire six months as if you are going to work every day for the military. And it allows you to go do job training at a specific place that you obviously would hope to get hired at, but is at least in the same sector as what you want to go into in the civilian world, you know? And so- that has been helping a lot of members recently because it's allowing them to, like you said, learn what the other side of the, of the hand is and in a, an environment that's safe because they're still getting paid for by the, by the air force. And so, which is, you know, most people know that you do an internship, you're like, take, you know, you got loans or you're borrowing money from mom and dad or something, you know? Yeah, that's And so tough. I don't know what programs the other services have, um, you know, and if they have them as well, but I know, that's a new program for us. But previously before that, there's pretty much just like a separation class. It's called TAPS. It's just like you go, you show up for about a week and they kind of run you through, hey, this is how you write a resume. <laughs> this is how you interview, you know, and they do their best uh, with the tools that they have to set the members up to, to you know, to separate. So basically 40 hours, if you will, so eight hours a day, five days for one yeah. week, and then kind of just throw you to the wolves if you're separating from a, a, an organization that you may have spent four, eight, 12, Correct. 16 years with and not touch the civilian sector. So that's, that's very interesting. Correct. Okay. So I guess my follow-up to that is, is when folks leave the military mm-hmm. uh, and when folks leave private companies too, they often get exit, inter- exit interviews. Is there a process like that in the, uh, in, in that exit process in the military? So uh, yes and no. Okay. It, it's a lot of things are very dependent on where you're at. So I will tell you that. So like for the air national guard, which I recruit for, we do have that. We, if someone is getting close to separating, 
we have kind of an interview process where we sit them down and we say, hey, you know, how did you feel about your unit? How did you feel about your coworkers? Is there something that you think we could do better? Why do you want to leave? You know, why do you want to stay? Um, you know, as far as the Air Force is concerned, it's a little bit, or when I separated the Air Force, it was very more so informal. It was a conversation with like the squadron commander where she said, hey, Sarmacius, you know, we do appreciate everything you've done. Um, you know, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Please give me honest feedback. And then, you know, and then I wish you the best. Okay. So, so there, there is tracking. I, I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of tracking to it. Okay. So there is a, maybe an individual command Correct. unit would say, Hey, we would like feedback so we can be better leaders, things like that. Correct. Okay. Much like an individual company might, but a lot of companies, of course, just kind of throw people out the door too. <laughs> okay. So again, setting the stage a little bit more. Um, so now you and I both, you, you've known way more people in the military. I've known at least a hundred, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, but you have likely known a whole slew of people who have left the armed forces, mm-hmm. whether that's through retirement, their contracts not being renewed or, or some other yeah. form of discharge medical or whatever yeah. it might be. Where in your experience from talking to these people, do most former military folks start their job search? Uh, kind of the, kind of the basics. I mean, if, if you're thinking about someone who's separating, you know, they go to your standard, you know, job searching websites, some of them may follow the path of a lot of people that might be in that same career field. So like I know you and I talked about is like people who work with like this type of plane. Well, they're like, oh, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go work for Lockheed Martin because that's what like 95% of the right. people they who build work all the on planes. this plane do, you know. Um, so, so that's another thing. So, automat- so, you know, what's their process? Their process is I automatically just go to the Lockheed Martin website and look for a aircraft maintenance job and that aligns with the skills that I have from the military as far as I think what you and I talk about when it comes to the job search as far as the network and the LinkedIn piece I think that is slowly coming to light to a lot of um, our military members as being a, a valued source as far as finding a job good good to know and I think there's I have some very specific questions about LinkedIn because I know you have a, a great presence yeah. on that platform and I think any any service person or civilian should look at a profile like yours and be like, I got to be that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause it, it, and I hate to use the slang, but your, your profile, it slaps, man. It, it's yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, it's well put together. It's, yeah. it's formal, but it's also very like, it's you, it's true to who you are. And you're not this, you know, buttoned up, you know, for sure. Dress uniform kind of guy all the time. No. Nope. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. The, uh, the one thing that I wanted to touch on before is you mentioned in our pre-show that you're looking to, at some point when you get sick of, you know, being in the military, make the yeah. shift to recruiting for the private sector. So you've mm-hmm. you know brought folks into the military and now they've done their time. And then they're looking to transition back to civilian life. And that might not have been something that happened since they were 18 years old. Yeah. That all makes sense. Let's talk about the military member who's going to need to make the leap all by themselves, maybe not with your help. And actually, you know what, it's funny, I must have gotten ahead in my, uh, my question outline here. We are going to talk about your LinkedIn thing first yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about how they make that leap and how those tactics can benefit everyone. The first tactic I did want to talk about was uh, LinkedIn. And you mentioned yeah. that to me in our pre-call that you've run across people who have, who have no profile. They have no presence on the site. Correct. And I just, I guess I, I would like to have you walk us through for a service person 
what are the top steps to take if your profile doesn't exist other than, you know, make one obviously, but how are you walk us through that? What should this look like? So recently I've actually, I've been doing that a lot with a lot of my fellow recruiters because I'm a, I'm going to force you to be better. So like I, so like with a lot of my recruiters, I actually look them up and if I see they don't have a LinkedIn, I'd text them and I say, Hey, you're being trash. You need to do better. (laughs) You need to set set yourself up. I am more than willing to help you take a look at my profile, take what you want, take what you like. Don't take what you don't like. You know, mine's not an end all be all, but I promise you I've done extensive research on what can make it as best as possible, at least in, in my circumstances. And so I think ultimately the first thing that people need to realize is that go just look around. There's so many people like yourself and like, you know, other people that I've had on my show who are recruiters or who are um, mentors or coaches or all those types of things. And just um, look at their profile, like, and see what's going on. You know, an old supervisor used to, to joke with us. He's like, Hey, you know, recruiting is all about stealing ideas. It's as far as like military recruiting, because that's what we do. We talk to For another sure. recruiter and we're like, Ooh, I like what you do. I'm taking that. It's the same thing, you know, when you think about LinkedIn is you just, you need to talk to people and figure out where they got their knowledge from and how to really, I would say, represent yourself. Like, like you were saying, the way you want to be represented, you know, I know on my profile, I was big on, I want to make it look like I know what I'm talking about, but that I'm also not a robot. Right. And I think it achieves that wonderfully. (laughs) And so, and so that's, the biggest thing, and you know, for a military member crossing over, I think it's really important for them to sit down and honestly think about what skills they bring. You know, we have job descriptions for the things that we learn and, and so forth, but it's really important to sit down and really figure out how do my skill, how are they going to cross over into the civilian sector? And when I say sit down and figure it out, I don't mean do it by yourself. Go look somebody up who had that same job and who already has a job and then look at their profile and be like, okay, this is how they wrote it. And I like the way that sounds. And I think it, you know, my future employers might like how that sounds. It's a lot of do over. I mean, I've written things and then a week later I've changed it. So that's, a, it's just like, it's a constant revolution as well, as far as evaluation, you know, um, not maybe not error fixing, but just wordage and things like that. Sure. And, you know, you mentioned looking at it a week later and, and changing something. And I think maybe yeah. that's something that, that folks in, in any situation should not be afraid to do is that yeah. don't lock yourself into a mm-hmm. six month, you know, I have to it, let this yeah. here for, for so long before I touch it and exactly get that going. Got it. So what, what would make a profile for somebody from the military attractive to an employer in, in your mind, Cam? I think, I think a lot of the skills that we overlook when it comes to ourself is the um, magnitude of things that we supervise and that we're in charge of, you know? So the fact of the matter is like, so for recruiting, let's take that for example. So I recruit for a specific unit that um, does intelligence and cyber for not only the state of California, but also does it in in conjunction with active duty air force, as well as uh, air force reserve. You can write that in a slew of ways when you talk about the recruiting efforts that you do, whether it's for state security, national security, you know, all these, all these things, you know, global, you know, global cyber network, you know, infrastructure, like, but that's what I, you know, those are the type of things that you need to figure out is 
how do you really represent what you do rather than just like, oh, I recruit people who meet qualifications? Okay, you know? so yeah. <laughs> well, you, you you jump on a really good good point there. The specifics you have yeah. to to drill in on. I recruit for A, B, and C, and you right. see that, and a an employer is going to see that, and this goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. Making sure that you have actionable items yes. in your resume, in your LinkedIn, whatever it might be, is a huge, huge thing to Correct. get your LinkedIn profile bulked up. Great. Correct. Okay. So a little bit more about LinkedIn. So you got your profile going, it looks mm-hmm. decent, but you and I both know you as a recruiter and me as somebody who has, you know, looked for jobs <laughs> in the past, recruiters don't just show up in your inbox. And if no. they do, they're trying to sell you Bitcoin or gold or something crazy. Like oh my that. God. <laughs> I can't tell you ever oh. see it. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And like, I'm, I'm a smaller LinkedIn profile, man, just some people that come by oh, yeah. like, it's a pitch (laughs) it's like it's a pitch so there's something to be said there don't pitch people on linkedin necessarily yeah but uh what kind of strategy should a new person to linkedin have to build their connections and actually make it into a worthwhile tool for themselves uh besides just going you know with the automated you know follow the five people in the sidebar and clicking thumbs up on everybody so uh, something that I actually somewhat learned recently um, as I kind of dove into all this is like, be like kind of like the descriptions of what you do for your job, be specific in your search for connections. So if you know that you're going to be in a specific area, go like LinkedIn's amazing as far as the amount of filters that you can put on there. So put, you know, a filter for the state city, you know, whatever that you're in along with, um, you know, the type of jobs or the education platforms you're looking for, and, and it'll bring up all those people. And so that, so that's step number one is, is actually really making sure that you're catering your connection audience to what you want it to do. Don't just add random people because that's going to do nothing for you. You want to make sure that the people that once you start posting things, these are people who are going to know what you're talking about because then they're going to respond to it. And so like my, I always tell people that step number one is find, find connections that actually are of value. And then the second one is like, it's an algorithm. So the more that you like and comment on other people's posts and the more that you post yourself, the more that you start popping up on people's things and, you know, and and it sucks because if you slow down, then obviously the amount of times you show up slows down. So it's a dedication factor. And I think that's, that can turn off a lot of people because they're like, Oh, I hate social media or, Oh, I don't have, I don't have time to do that. And I think I, I told one of um, the people in the state recruiting, you know, he's like, Oh, I just don't have a lot of time. And I said, let's be honest, man, when you're sitting and you're using the bathroom, what are you doing? You're probably just on Facebook messing around anyways. Like, you know, and, and that's okay. It's okay to chill, but also at the same time, be deliberate with your actions and what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And actually that brings, I'm so glad you mentioned kind of the, the repetition, if you will, there, Cam, because there, there's a strategy. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Gary V. I like Gary V before he was cool. And I said that before on this show. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I had a guy on my podcast, um, Adam Posner, who got, he, oh, yeah. Was he got, yeah, you know him. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I know that name. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and again, that, that electrifying energy that Gary had a strategy and I think it's important to share this with, with the folks here. He calls it the 50 cent strategy. Mm-hmm. And that's not after the rapper or anything like that. It's uh, <laughs> it's giving your two cents on 25 things a day on LinkedIn. 
And yeah. I've actually tried this and it was how I initially kind of built some of my connections that actually I believe led me in your direction, which was outstanding. Uh, 25 meaningful things. And they could be comments. So they could be, you know, could yeah. throw some likes in there, things like that. But 25 meaningful actions on your LinkedIn profile every day, 50 cents worth of effort. And it doesn't yeah. take long. It's a 20 minute process. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't take long at all. So if, I think for anybody there, military, whatever it might be, learn to do that 50 cent process. Got it. Yeah. And I catch myself and that's, I, th- I think it's really just kind of, it's really kind of just being aware of your actions. I mean, I catch myself messing around on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And, and I'm, and I think about that. I'm like, I haven't posted anything in LinkedIn today, or I haven't commented yeah. or liked anybody's thing. Like get off Facebook, <laughs> get on LinkedIn. So it's, you know, it's about, you know, it's not going to be easy transitioning from job, even in the civilian sector, transitioning from job to job is already hard enough, but transitioning from military to a civilian job can be easier or it can be way harder. It all just depends on how the employer values your experience. Cause some employers don't want to hire us. I mean, let's be honest, you know, and, but I can't and, imagine and, why, like seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then coming around, you know, the, well, you know, and, and it's, it's just, it's, um, it's just lack of knowledge. That's all it is, you know, but, and, and that's also, it's also just a, a lack of education on the part of society as a whole, because, you know, there was so much um, emphasis put on a college degree. I think, as we all know, there was all this emphasis put on a college degree. And I'll tell you firsthand that I've met some really dumb people who have college degrees. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just not even funny. And, and <laughs> I, I wish a college education was valued the same as a trade education Correct. or even, I, I don't want to get down on anybody who's only got a high school diploma because for sure we I are mean, all I, different. I only got my degree because it was paid for. Right. I, I, I'm not a fan of school, you know, <laughs> I'm not either. Yeah. And I, I really wish that, that, you know, the people who choose to grow, after you know the mandatory schooling of you know hey you're 18 Correct. you made it here's your here's your sticking diploma i think that they the folks that push themselves further really Correct. deserve a little bit more respect especially if you're in the trades and especially if you're you know hustling every day and working with your hands so uh, you actually sure. <laughs> i'm almost sad we got talking about that because you had a, a perfect transition earlier <laughs> I, I couldn't have paid you to make a better trans transition but uh we were talking about you know a recently discharged service member recently entering a workplace in the private sector that doesn't have the structure of a military unit how how does a military person formally uh, deal with that how do you how do you build that for yourself cam i think that in my opinion is honestly one of the hardest things about transition because you know in the private sector there's just not a lot of camaraderie I mean, it's, it's doggy dog. Everybody wants a promotion. Every, you know, everyone's in, in my opinion, based off what I've seen and so forth, sure. you know, don't be wrong. There are workplaces that function very harmoniously and so forth, but it's just different because in the military, you know, um, we have a contract, so you can't just quit. So yep. it's like, you know, so it's, 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 there's a lot of want need and necessity to kind of get through things and work together and figure things out because you can't just leave you know oh i'm unhappy i'm just gonna leave no you could be stuck somewhere four years you find out on week one you don't like somebody you don't you know don't be wrong you could go through the four years but nine times out of ten most most military members there's going to come to a front where there's going to be a conversation and things are going to get and try to work out 
So when you're in the private sector, I feel like there's just a lot of uh, barriers when it comes to that and it can alienate people in, in, in from what I've seen, you know? And so I think every service member I've talked to who has separated the military and, and who wants to come back in via me or who has retired, that's a big thing they've always brought up is they're like, it's just a different environment, man. Like, you know, like I don't, I don't really hang out with anybody from work. Like I don't, um, you know, like I have to, you got to be careful because you never know who wants the next promotion and things like that. And don't get me wrong. There are, there's that in the military too, but the way that we're structured is it, it is a lot more dependent on the individual than it is on the supervisors. So as long as you're doing your job for the most part and you study and things like that, you can, for the most part, get promoted. But, you know, as we know in the private sector, it's all slot based, right? Like it's like, Oh, there is only one manager and the, the, you know, and any only one person out of this office of 50 can be the manager, you know? And so I think that is hard because we're also not used to that. We're like, Oh man, like now, like we kind of have to, like, we really have to compete. And as you know, there's healthy competition and bad competition. Right. And I think in my opinion, I think a lot of um, private sector activities can, can promote kind of the bad competition. And I think it's getting better based off what I've seen. Cause I think a lot of people are realizing that is you need to kind of massage the workplace and make people, people need to work together. You need to talk and things like that. But I would say that, in my opinion, is kind of the hardest part is, is really the camaraderie piece of it all. Yeah, and actually, I've, I can speak to that a little bit as well, having worked at an organization that employed, I mean, out of 200 people, it was probably a quarter veterans, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, that I would always hear them talk about their experiences. They, they oh, probably all got together. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they, were, they were tight, even though they didn't serve in like the same units or stuff yep. like that. They had that commonality, that common thread of, Correct. oh, yeah, I was in the green zone with you in Iraq uh-huh. at this time. And, yep. and there was also the, the willingness to just like, man, I would trade that for anything. Like, uh, I, I don't like RPGs whizzing by me, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like easy, easy. <laughs> but yeah. that's something that myself as a civilian, I could never understand. So yeah. I, I think for somebody who is, is seeking that structure, perhaps, and this kind of goes into my, my next, one of my next questions here is maybe finding a veteran owned company, a strategy probably either veteran owned or at least find a place that might be like you said, they have veterans working there. Cause like, you know, um, do you know who Tim Madden is? I know the name. I can't say I know him. Okay. So, personally. so, he, so, so I had him on my show. He's a, mm-hmm. he was a, a military, he was an army recruiter who then went private sector recruiter who then now he, he owned his own recruiting company to now he does um, mentorship and coaching for people who, um, want to get raises and things like that for sure. executive. And so that was one of the things that he brought up is when he went to his first private sector recruiting position, he was the first veteran ever to work there. And he said half his time, and granted, you know, this is this probably, I think he said like a decade ago or so forth, but he was saying a lot of his time was spent educating this owner on how hardworking veterans were and the things that they brought to the workplace, because he had his miscon, you know, he had his, you know, misconceptions and things like that, which, you know, which we all know is okay, but there needs to be someone who's brave enough to educate somebody on these prejudices, not just for veterans, but anything. And so he said a lot of his time was spent educating this manager. And then by the time he left, you know, he had hired a whole bunch of veterans because he realized the value of what we have. And so, 
I don't, you know, at the same time, it's like, know what you're willing to work with. I think if you're someone who maybe you're not okay having those comfortable conversations and stuff like that, then yeah, finding a veteran owned company probably better for you because it'll, it'll, it'll be a much easier transition, but I would hate for people to shy away from really great positions just because they, they don't normally hire veterans. And you never know, you could be the catalyst to that company hiring more veterans. Very true. And I, I think that's a really great takeaway there, Cam, because you, you mentioned, you know, that there is a, I don't want to say it's an easy option, but there's a, there's a safer option of, Hey, veteran owned business. Yeah, man, I'll fit right in. You know, it's just like a unit and things like that. And that's cool. That's okay. People, I think it's, you know, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, not at all. doesn't want, you know, it was a smarter, not harder. That's what we always say. (laughs) I'm a harder person. So I'm like, I want to go for the one that doesn't have any veterans and they're going to think I suck at first and I'm just going to prove them wrong. <laughs> and that's fair. And, and maybe for somebody who is feeling ambitious coming out of the yeah. service, that that's a, that's a route for them to be that sort of new type of employee there and to become almost like a, a talent scout themselves for, mm-hmm. for an organization and make it into a, a talent Academy. As I, I once heard it called yeah. in the past job where they're known for having really great people on staff. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So looking at, at other things from transitioning out of the military, we, we talked a little bit about finding like a veteran owned company. What kind of things should a job seeker coming from the military look for when it comes to finding them a meaningful place of employment? What's going to, what's going to really tick the boxes? I'd say probably research in my opinion, based off what I've seen is, in the military, especially, a lot of times we're, we're chasing the, I don't want to say chasing the money, but like, don't chase the money when you come out. Like you say, you want to, like, it's very easy to find a place that, you know, like, yes, they're going to pay you all this money. But I always, I tell everyone, it's like, really look at the quality of life, man. Like if you're making, this place may pay you $130,000 a year, but if you're working six days a week, 12 hours a day, and you barely ever get to see your family, what's the point of that? there was a major that used to work at one of my high schools in Louisiana and he was a computer guy when he got out and he's like, man, Verizon paid me $150,000 a year. I was making more money than I ever thought. He said, but guess what? I was also working more than I had done in 25 years in the air force. And so he, so he left, he left Verizon and he, and he started working at a high school as a ROTC instructor there. And he, and I was like, you know, looking back now, like, what's your advice? And he's like, just don't chase the money, dude. He's like, it's really easy to look at. He's like, find a job where it makes you comfortable, but you're still going to be able to like, enjoy your life. That is probably one of the most poignant things I think you could have said to anybody coming out of the service, man, seriously, because we we've talked about the defense contractors, you know, Boeing, Lockheed, Martin, yeah. I think Raytheon, is that one of them? Yeah, I think yeah. A big one. yeah. These, these are all positions that even I've looked at when hunting for jobs, like, oh yeah, 120 a year, 170 yeah. a year, like, dang, man, like you're yeah. really shelling <laughs> out the money. But yeah. I, I don't know what kind of skill set you need, but also yeah. there's probably that, you're right, that pull on your private life that yeah. really can crush you. All right. Now, speaking of, of defense contractors and things like that, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who's listening to this show. He's also a instructor out at Top Gun. 
which is pretty darn uh, cool, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. really cool. Uh, and this was the, this whole show was actually his idea. So big thank you to you, buddy, uh, out there. He mentioned that companies are looking for security clearances. What, what do you know about that, Kim? So, you know, in the military, we all, every single, every person in the military gets a secret security clearance, unless you're, um, unless you're not a U.S. citizen. Okay. And you, you, they can't afford you a security clearance. Pause for one second. Yeah. For everybody who's a civilian here listening, <laughs> what does that mean? What's that? <laughs> a, a secret security clearance. Oh, what does that give me access so, to? So, so, so secret is the, um, the kind of just the bare minimum normal clearance to okay. work on mo- to work in most environments in the military. So that means you have access to um, information, documentation, things of that nature that could be damaging or put people at risk. Uh, but it's not to like a level that's like top secret. So everyone hears okay. top secret, you know, in the movies and so forth. Top secret is where you're actually dealing with stuff like for the most part, you're, you you can not talk about it. Like that's like you go home and your wife's like, Oh, what'd you do today? And you're like, I mean, it was a good day. Me and me and Bob talked, but I can't, I can't tell you what I did necessarily. And so those are kind of your two, your two basic levels. There's a couple other ones in between, but I'm not going to go into all that. Uh, that's fine. But, but in general, it costs money. That's why to have a secret security clearance, it costs anywhere from 10,000 to $50,000 based off your background so and then so and then for a top secret security clearance it's anywhere from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars and the reason why they cost so much is because they actually have to look in your background they have to look up everything about you you know fbi background check then they have to send somebody to go ask people questions about you to make sure you're not lying about anything like they they double check so you know that's man hours that's salary pays things like that and so that's why these companies like hiring veterans who have these things already, because now they just save themselves fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to not get somebody a security clearance. Okay, so it's if I went to a company like Boeing or something like that, and I needed a security clearance, Boeing would shoulder that expense Correct. of fifty grand to get to you know, uncover everything from my life as a, as a civilian, Correct. make sure I'm not a security risk. Whereas because that's already been done on the government's dime mm-hmm. for a veteran, it makes it much more appealing to a defense contractor. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. And that's why a lot of people like, so for my, for the units that I service, that's why a lot of people want to be a part of our units because the training that we provide them along with the top secret security clearance the government will maintain that as long as they're a part of the Air National Guard, even though it's part-time, even though they're not doing it full-time, the government will keep their clearances active. So whenever they go to a company, that's a selling point that like you're talking about, that's an actionable item. Hey, okay, I do not have all the experience that you want me to, to have, but not only am I trainable, but I just saved you a hundred thousand dollars because I already have a clearance. So, you know, take the four months to train me. I still saved you a year of somebody's salary. <laughs> Got it. And, and then again, you said an actionable thing. We love actionable things here on this yeah. show because for somebody who is exiting that, if you have that security clearance, Correct. that's maybe a big, a big opposite of a red flag, blue flag. I don't know. Green <laughs> flag for you green to wave at a potential prospective employer to say, Hey, this is a real asset towards hiring yeah. me because I can Correct. save a lot of money and I'll be an excellent candidate as well. Correct. Excellent. 
Okay. I think I've covered pretty much everything I have for you today, Cam, <laughs> which is awesome. We, we do this in every show. We turn it around. What is it that you would want people transitioning from the military? What, what didn't I ask you, I guess, is the question. What would you want people transitioning from the military to be able to do with their job hunt? And what advice would you have for them? So, so we did a, we did a show yesterday with retired chief master sergeant Todd uh, Simmons. And so who he was is he was the senior enlisted leader for all of air force education. And so the biggest thing, you know, and when we talked yesterday is I expressed to him kind of like you and I talked about is I'm trying to set myself up for retirement. Right. Sure. And so I'm, so I'm doing that now I'm six years from retirement and on in my free time during the day, you know, when I'm done doing my duties for the military, I do stuff for myself because, you know, that's what you should be doing. And so he made a comment. He said, I'm really glad that you're doing that. And I'm glad that we've come to a time where that's available because, you know, 15 years ago, if you were doing this, like you'd be like a black sheep because we'd be like, oh, like he's not dedicating his time to, to work. Oh. And I feel, and I feel like that's not even just a military thing. That's probably a thing everywhere is what employer, I mean, let's, you know, if you're being honest perception wise, what employer wants to feel like somebody's trying to set themselves up to leave your organization, which makes sense. Um, and so I think really taking value in starting early too many times people decide they want to separate and they have done nothing to set themselves up. So you know, even if I don't separate for another 16 years, I know for a fact my LinkedIn profile is going to be is going to be fired and I'm going to have all the connections that I need to have and my content's going to keep moving. And whenever that day does finally come, I will be locked, loaded and ready to, to make that transition. And I think a lot of people are scared to prepare because they may not know where to start, but that's the best time to start because there's nothing riding on it. That's what's nice about it right now. I get to do all these test things. I get to, you know, like, because I'm still getting paid, but you know, I still have a daytime job. I'm not, I'm not, you know, unfortunately for some, I'm not desperate. So I am able to do a lot of things because I have comfortability in, in my time right now. So that when the time does come where most people are uncomfortable, I won't be. Gotcha. And, and maybe that's that kind of putting away uh, stores for the winter, if you will. Yeah. When that, uh, when that, that season change in your life kind of comes, I, I think that's actually a really great thing. And, and maybe just speaking about that a little more, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this as well, Cam, is I know that when I started this show, it is yeah. so much less than the current incarnation, whether that's mm-hmm. from content production, yeah. uh, audio quality, all these things for somebody who's coming out of the, out of the military, you know, when you start these, these little building blocks that you kind of mentioned, the first couple, they're going to suck. They are. I mean, like, and, and you have to accept that you don't have to be good to start, but mm. you have to start to be good. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people that that hurdle, no matter where they're coming from, is a really big stumbling block for job search. Yeah. And I mean, in social media, I mean, if you, you know, in, in retrospect has like wrecked our minds when it comes to um, instant gratification, <laughs> you know, like me and yeah. me and. Me and Joel talked about this. Uh, we talked the other day, he called me. And that's one of the things we talked about is, you know, as far as like content creation is like some things will be amazing and some things will fall on their face. You know, like I've put out, I put out a video for the Air National Guard that got like 20,000 
views and oh, hundreds of shares and all this stuff. But then, you know, I do a post, you know, last week and it's like, you know, I got maybe got like a hundred likes and that's okay. And, and that's, and that's another thing too, is like we talked about is consistency. The reason why I only got the hundred likes is because I haven't been consistent. And so that's a, a, an actionable item for me. Like we talked about is, is you got to keep consistent. And so I think it's one of those things where you just need to have a mentor. And I think a lot of people get afraid to say mentor because they feel like it has to be somebody who's like 20 years older than them and like has a million dollars. And it's like my best friend slash co-host of my show, who's a year older than I am. He is one of my biggest mentors when it comes to doing things in my life. And so it's like, find a mentor that can tell you to slow down or tell you, Hey, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Think like, think, do this, stay consistent and it will be okay. Excellent. And I think that that actually dovetails really nicely. Uh, the episode before this uh, was uh, we had my sister on who was a uh, former uh, army national guard okay. uh, soldier. I think she almost got to Lieutenant at some point, but anyway, uh, she mentioned that finding that mentor is something that's so important. And whether that's somebody who is, again, you said they don't have to be, you know, some wise old sage or anything like that. It's somebody who, who you can just kind of have push you through some of the stuff and and maybe go ahead. An accountability partner. That's what uh, chief Simmons is. He's like, he's like, I have an accountability partner and that's what you, you have to have. <laughs> or uh, accountability buddy. I think that's one a, of the... a, 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 Oh, maybe. <laughs> accountability buddy. That's the, uh, that's the one that boys had dropped on me, but yeah, <laughs> good deal. Well, Cam, I, that's all, all the time we have for today. Thank you again okay. for swinging by and, uh, yeah. and talking with us about this. If, yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, definitely. If, if folks were uh, looking to find you, and your show where where would they uh, where would they come across you so we're on uh all platforms youtube spotify um apple apple podcast google podcast uh scared money don't make money that's that's our that's our podcast you can find us on facebook by that name like i said youtube spotify all that and then um yeah i mean and and then instagram same thing Right. And then of course I would, I would hope that people would connect with you on LinkedIn as well. You know, that yeah. uh, there's a lot of opportunities there and I, I need to meet Roy. I do. I do. I think yeah. I listen, I listen to you guys and I actually do. Enjoy you come, your show you come on our show. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the invitation shows up, yeah, I will uh, gladly accept it. My friend, that's all, that's all good. I'd be happy to be on there. Yeah. Excellent. So we've got all the plugs, anything else before I go to mine? No, no, I, I mean, right. I appreciate it. And, uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode <laughs> definitely and again we this is this is one that, that's been in, in planning i say this all the time this has been in, in planning literally for six months and yeah. <laughs> like oh when is veterans day getting here but <laughs> yeah. no for sure good deal well again thanks cam i'm gonna get us out of here and uh for okay. those of you still uh who are listening now for more recruiting hell and other great information and the people that revolve around this show please uh, by all means head on over to recruiting-hell.com now, earlier in the show, I teased you that there was something I had made for you, and you are my wonderful listeners. Recently, I reached out to one of my friends, and she has a flair for graphic design. You might actually remember her. She was a guest on this show. It's the fabulous Sasha Kennedy, and I asked her to take all the notes, all the research I'd assembled from everything for doing the show, and then condense it into this amazing guide to help you with your job hunt. And it's called six strategies to end your job hunt for good. 
inside of that thing, you're going to find topics that not only go hand in hand with these 26 episodes we've already recorded, but there's a couple extra things sprinkled in there as well that we haven't come across yet. Additionally, she actually went the extra mile for you and I, and she created a checklist to help you with your job hunt journey. So whether it's day one or day 101, you have the guidance and structure for your job hunt that you don't have to build. So I'd encourage you to dive into that. And it's available right now at recruiting-hell.com slash six strats, recruiting-hell.com slash six strats. I really do hope it's incredibly valuable to you and gives you a bunch of the tools to set up a great job hunt strategy. For more from the show, you can also find our blog, social media accounts, show notes, links to everything from our T public page to our Patreon page at recruitinghell.com to help support this show and your job hunt. The casting call is still ongoing for Escapee Edition, Episode 3. If you've landed a new job and found the strategies from this show helpful, email the show at Podcast at gmail.com. Share your story, and you know what? We might even put you in the hot seat like Cam is now or like Tom and our other guest from the Escapee Edition, Episode 2, is going to be in just a few weeks here. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. And finally, please, please rate our show on your favorite podcast app. If you have that feedback, send it along. This episode was made possible in part from one of our wonderful listeners, Amy, who gave us a few suggestions on some questions we should ask about LinkedIn. Thank you so much, Amy. And as always, thank you to Purple Planet for our themes. And of course, you, the listener, for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon, and until we meet again, keep moving forward with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and recruiting help will be here to help you keep pace.